And now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Good morning, Black Firehouse podcast listeners. This is your host, Dan Harshman and Austin Young for session 13 of our podcast, which I gotta, I gotta say, I'm stoked that we're at session 13. Austin, how about you? Um, Everybody views 13 as an unlucky number, but for me, it's always been my favorite and lucky number. So I'm all about it. Well, good. I I'm, I'm excited about today's topic. It's, It's something that's near and dear to me and i think will be near and dear to all of our listeners and uh especially for like new time listeners because it's probably the number one question anybody ever has when they start building a proton pack which is what is the best shell and how do i start yep and that's what we're going to be talking about today so i'm i'm particularly excited but before we even get into that austin big news coming from every direction, mm-hmm. actually, this week, like, uh, which I, I don't know which one I'm more excited about. Honestly, for me, I think I'm equally as excited about both both news stories, because one of them is almost or actually maybe over a decade old. That's actually the one I think I feel like I might be more excited mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And uh I mean we'll start with the the second one the the I guess what's going to be bigger for the Ghostbusters fandom at large yeah. which is the announcement of Ghostbusters 4 is in pre-production. Ghostbusters Afterlife 2. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Ghostbusters After Afterlife. Bef- before death. Let's call it that's that's what it'll be. Go- Ghostbusters Ghostbusters Afterbirth. No, 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 no. <laughs> Go- ghosts oh, God, are gross. reborn as human ghost hybrids. Hmm, there's a concept right there. So so I know we're not really, I mean, we, we are a movie podcast in a sense, you know, Ghostbusters props, uh, but, but not really um, a, a, a plot, you know. Oh, gosh, I hope this gets resolved and things like that. But let's let's talk about ghostbusters 4 for a moment what are your kinds of hopes and dreams for it obviously i've thought about this a lot since afterlife came out and um, Mm -hmm. i think right off the bat and what's probably most likely at least this for a portion of it is you know winston's gonna head up the new iteration of ghostbusters i'm sure he's definitely got the capital to start it over again um of course our post-credit scene teases that he's purchased the firehouse and he brings Ecto one mm-hmm. back. Um, and then the video game that's coming out spirits unleashed kind of follows that direction where he's kind of leading up a new team of recruits and, and Ray kind of advises on, you know, all the paranormal, the Dan Aykroyd. Do you stuff. think that would be a theme? I think, 
do you think that would be a theme that they might include in? Like, would do you think they would even relocate um, Razor Cult books from being over on St. Mark's to the building next door? I, first of all, that's a detail that I absolutely love from the the game trailer, and I I would be totally mm-hmm. okay with that. Um, it, it, the location actually makes sense, and then even from a business standpoint, it makes sense for it to be right next door. Um, how about prop wise? What are what are you looking for there? I'm torn on it because I, I mean, we we love the original gear, and you know, Afterlife mm-hmm. did a really good job of kind of giving us something new with the original stuff, but not mm-hmm. not straying too far from the original designs. Um, but I also would really like to see what a new updated proton pack looks like a modern take on it um just so long as it it's, just... it sticks with that kind of ghostbusters aesthetic i you know i i said it when the reboot was coming out that i didn't want to see really clean sterile you know apple mm-hmm. proton packs i still want them to look like they're thrown together in a shop but you know i want to see there be new features new functions um you know, change the design up a little bit, maybe keep it within the realm of what we know and love, but, you know, just maybe a new twist on it or something. See, I, uh, I, I kind of, uh, disagree. Like I'm hoping that we'll see a step back on the gear. Um, that's, that's just why mess with something if it's already perfect introduction of a new piece of gear. Um, I think would always be great. Mm-hmm. You know, I loved the addition of the RTV ghost trap and, uh, you know, the, the Spangler Phoebe proton pack made sense because it was um, clearly that proton pack was used for parts uh, here and there around the, the Spangler farmstead and, and in the Gozerian temple and how they used it. So it had to be kind of recobbled back together um to be used again but i loved that the original ghostbusters had proton packs they just said proton packs and i'm hoping that that's what we get and that if there is new gear that there's a reason for it my my biggest concern always with the ghostbusters franchise is them putting in new gear just for the sake of new gear and i i don't i don't want to see that yeah, I mean, and I guess sort of piggybacking off like last episode where we talked about the video game stuff, you know, even something like a video game style proton pack where they've 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 added to not necessarily redesigned. I'd be sure. okay with something like that. That's why I say I'm torn because I'm I I would be okay with a minimalist upgrade mm-hmm. like the stage 1 video game pack. Yeah. Like okay, we swapped this for for a new light you know yeah um i don't know i just uh but there's a part of me that wants to see what a modern take on the stuff would look like but at the um, you know at the same time if we don't get that i'm a-okay with it i'm perfectly fine sticking with what we already have you know if it if it ain't I've broke don't been, fix it right yeah and i've always been of the the interpretation that what we have is the modern take i mean phoebe even said it in, in Ghostbusters Afterlife, how did you get a cyclotron so small? Yeah. So we already know that the Ghostbusters gear is still light heads, you know, light years, light heads, <laughs> light years ahead of of the curve. Um, but let's be real. 
there's going to be new equipment, which means there's going to be new props to look yeah. at. And hopefully, though, we'll be looking at something that has the same love and admiration that Ghostbusters Afterlife had, which means we'll be seeing gear and equipment that is uh, as aesthetically inclusive mm-hmm. of of Ghostbusters 1 and 2. And maybe maybe we'll see what happened to the Ecto-1A. I would love to see yeah. a little more cohesion into Ghostbusters 2, but not a return uh, of, of Vigo. Yeah. Uh, definitely need a new big bad, but um, I'm excited, dude, because it means, hey, we have more Ghostbusters props to talk about, which means we will have episodes in the future and we'll we'll start getting teasers of new Ghostbusters equipment that we can talk about and dissect. We'll so, have entire episodes um, of a, a, a single frame grab from some promotional video where we will spend exactly. two hours obsessing over it, and I'm I'm here for it. Exactly, and I'm very very excited about that. Um, but what I am most excited about, as far as Ghostbusters news right now, is the over 10 years in the making, over 30 years in the making, let's be real, discovery by uh, Mr. Chris Rossi. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin, what did Mr. Rossi find? More or less, he found the the bumper label, the actual real world bumper label. It's a slightly different variation, but I mean, it's very different or very uh, similar. The Including including the name of the company mm-hmm. that that made that label for for those motors which is terminal data corporation based out of woodland hills california yeah. is is responsible for the motor that the blue bumper label uh label blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the motor synchronous label was on and i am I'm beside myself. I'm so excited that that label's been identified. It's isn't it crazy how something so stupid is causing so much excitement amongst people like us? It's a it's a yeah, sticker I mean, off a how you know forty year old motor. Who cares, right? But it's amazing. Exactly. I'm so stoked about that. I mean, everybody else in the Ghostbusters community right now is talking Ghostbusters four, and I'm just like, yo, we found the Ghostbusters blue label. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the odds of. Um, any of us finding one of those motors with a label on it is pretty slim and none at this point. I would, I would guess never say never, but just the fact that it's been identified and that we know where it came from, or rather we know yeah. the source of the labels. Cause you know, I'm sure the labels for the packs were just overstocked that apex got a hold of. They're not pulling labels off of, you know, used pieces of equipment and stuff, but maybe, I mean, it's possible, but if, I don't know. I'm just so excited that this many years later, there's still mysteries that are being being, being solved. solved. Yeah, and and we, yeah, it gives me hope for all the other weird shit that we we want to know, but we just don't have answers for. That maybe one day we'll find an answer for them. It. it... It uh, it makes me hopeful that there is one day in the not too distant future that there is the possibility of putting together a proton pack with almost one hundred percent OEM found parts, mm-hmm. including the labels. Has anybody ever found any of the other labels like out in the wild? Oh, oh. Uh, 
or on a piece of equipment I, anywhere? You know, I'm not sure. I know that it uh, it came to light. I believe Mikhail uh, Lynn, or our friend Mikhail, had mm-hmm. pointed out that um, that the dry rub transfers on the wand, at least the envelope logos, are from military map notations. Yeah. So I'm sure there's you know sheets of those somewhere. Completely unusable at um, this point. <laughs> yeah, but uh, also interestingly enough is um, during his search for the blue label um, that, from what I understand, Chris Rossi had had told us he, he was actually looking for a different label. Yeah, one of the uh, the diagrams. The yeah, white, the, the, white. the circuit. Yeah, the little white circuit diagram that shows up on the side of the wand and on the end filter. And he had some successes there, too. The The, the numerics weren't lining up exactly, uh, but the pictogram was spot yeah. on. Um, so, I mean, mad props to Chris Rossi and his detective work out there for, for finding both of those. And uh, it sounds like he's got a pretty good lead on what we'd be looking for for the for that little circuit diagram logo as well, which is really cool. Yeah. And going back to the blue label, blue label really quick. Uh, I want to point out in a convert in part of the conversation in the comments on the, uh, the workbench post about it. AJ quick had made a comment about it's amazing how wrong that thread was until the very end. Oh yeah. But that's, that's par for the course for this stuff. Like, it just made me giggle, you know, well, we back were, when people thought like the, we were, the gun grips were wheelchair grips, you know, it's like we've been down this road before and we'll be down it again. We'll be completely off base with something until somebody just wanders in and goes, oh, here, here's the thing. Yeah. But I mean, even looking back on that thread, I'll still give it its its due diligence. Um. I still think there's a lot to be said about the the Burroughs adding machine. Oh yeah. Um and I I still think uh it's very possible too that that the uh Terminal Data Corporation had a part to play in the Burroughs adding machine. Oh yeah, I mean I wouldn't um, doubt it at all. And I'm not saying that, you know, that information in that thread is worthless. You know, it's it's not, you know, there's a lot of great leads that maybe didn't lead somewhere for the bumper label, but you never know what can turn up from those leads. Again, well, he, he still, was looking for one diagram a... and he ended up finding the bumper by accident. <laughs> exactly. Which is awesome. And like you said, you know, it's like, we just don't know until boom, then we know, yeah. but it's still a great thread to show off that detective work and, yeah. uh, and see, you know, what is really going into trying to discover there's, there's a ton of guesswork. There's always going to be a ton of guesswork and uh, we're going to be stuck with guesswork until like you said, boom, we know. (laughs) Yeah. And the thing about that thread is it's always going to be the, I mean, people never stopped looking, you know? And I think, that's really great that we still have these like hardcore dedicated people in the community that just continue to try and find these, these pieces and in these, you know, solve these mysteries that, mm-hmm. you know, have been around for years. And 
I love that about this community. You know, I mean, even the Star Wars community. I mean, Star Wars community. There are still little tiny greeblies and pieces on some of those props and costumes that are still being discovered to this day by mm-hmm. people that just refuse to give up looking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely a true testament to our obsessive compulsiveness <laughs> and our nerddom. Yeah. I mean, we could be doing something creative with these energies or good for the world, but instead we are, we are researching 35 year old, 40 year old props. Yeah just so we can know where something comes from. Yeah. It's uh again again it's it's crazy. It's but it's but fun. it's so much fun. It's the it's so much it's, fun. That's that's the passion. That's what people don't get. They they say, "Oh, that the the elitists uh you know, they just want to hoard the information." No, we just want to know cuz it's so cool. Yeah. And you know, there is a part of you sometimes, at least for me, when you do kind of solve a mystery, there's this little part of you that's disappointed because you have so much fun looking for it that you're like, oh, well, now now it's done. But I suppose there's always another one to move on to. There's always another challenge. Oh, yeah. Now we got to find out where the bumper came from. Yeah. came It came yeah. from somebody's hands when they scratch built it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Austin, we're going to do things a little bit differently, just a slight reverse. We're going to do workbench. What's on our workbench first before our you've earned it? Okay. What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. The proton pack is not a toy. I guess that's right. Austin. Yes. I know what's on your workbench. Why don't you tell everybody else what's on your workbench? Everything. Everything. But mostly... That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I worked on today, I worked on my stunt trap. And uh, I finally got my side plates fabricated and all the little greeblies mounted. And I got them attached to the trap. And I'm very excited with how it looks. Um, the trap is uh, not a prop that I've ever really built more than one time. I've kind of partially built a second one and never finished mm-hmm. it. Surprise, surprise. Um and it's the so it's the first time I've ever done a trap with metal side plates. The the last trap had just styrene painted silver, which was fine, but nothing beats the real thing. And uh, it, I'm like a little kid, you know, with a new toy. I, I got those side plates on, and I'm just like grinning ear to ear, you know, and stomping up and down in place, like it's it's got <laughs> metal plates. Yay! It's, it's so fun. I love it. It is, and let's uh, let's specify which stunt trap are you building. Uh, the the yellow rod trap. The yellow rod which trap. Which the one I'm making is, I guess you could almost say it's kind of like a an idealized version in a sense mm-hmm. because there are a few details we just can't see sure. uh, from that two seconds of footage in the, in the movie, but we we do have some good reference of it after it had been repainted or whatever repainted with the red rods um but also uh i'm going for a slightly more beat up and weathered look on mine than what we can see in the movie um mostly because the original rods that i had on the trap when it was first built what like 10 years ago i did Mm -hmm. yellow rods on it and they have so Mm -hmm. much wonderful natural weathering on them that i i did not have the heart to repaint them Fair enough. And so Fair I enough. decided, well, I'll just do this one slightly slightly more beat up 
a little more weathered. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, some of the details I'm incorporating in it that are on the the red rod version. I don't know if they're on this yellow rod version, but they're going to be on the one I'm building. So, fair enough. Well, I am uh, continuing work on my IDW pack, and uh, I just got a shipment of hardware from McMaster Car. And uh, I have also uh, made a a decent order from Send Cut Send, Ooh. and uh, I, I think I'm going to be ordering some more. So I I have solidified my plans for the bottom plate of my IDW thrower, um, and and I know people are asking, "Hey, why don't you post some pictures of that, you son of a bitch?" <laughs> and uh, it almost sounds like I'm trying to hide something that I'm not actually working on, but I am working on it. It just looks really rough right now. Um, so the thrower box um, has uh, a lot of filler putty on it that's getting sanded down. Um, and I still need to attach uh, the, the trigger box to it, which will need filler putty. Um, and then I have some, I have the, the Ford um, handle done which was a weird order of operations. You know, uh, Matt talked a lot about order of operations and I should probably play stuff a little bit more like Matt and really give some forethought, but I get so excited about getting a certain part done. Oh, so do I. Just to see it finished, you know, that I, I kind of like, ah, this is good. Um, but I have uh, such like prop ADHD. Like I, I bounce around between not only projects, but like, individual components within a project and a lot of times it just doesn't make sense the order of operations and you end up having to go back and redo some things but like you said you just get excited about it you do you do you get very very excited about it and i'm really excited about this thrower and um i'm i'm hoping to get to go back and work on the shell some more um you know, in the coming weeks, just because I'm, I'm so close to being able to just start getting things bolted together. Yeah. And, and that's what gets frustrated is I get it, uh, uh, distracted by ooh shinies (laughs) (laughs) and I go off and play with whatever is distracting me at that moment. Um, but it was, it was a hundred dollar order from McMaster car. Uh, so lots of hardware, for proton pack building. I'm hoping that it will last me through one or two proton packs. Uh, Cause I am, I'm at a point where I have more shells than I really know what to do with. <laughs> so are we talking like screws and, and washers and all that yeah. kind of stuff? Is it... Yeah. Bolts and threaded inserts and, and things like that. Uh, I, I, I kept putting off making a, a McMaster car order. Mm-hmm. And I would just go out get one little thing from like Home Depot and finds like I'm I'm wasting money. Here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when you can spend eleven dollars and get a pack of one hundred four forty screws from McMaster Car instead of spending three bucks for a pack of two. Yeah. At at the big box stores. I was really just throwing money down the drain. So I, I finally settled on how I want to assemble the IDW thrower and order the hardware for it. And I'm really excited to be able to get started on that. Um, this week, I'm actually, after after we wrap up this, I'm going to go and do some sanding downstairs and uh, get some, uh, some paint on it 
so I can see how it's looking. And I'm hoping that it won't need too much touch up because then I will be able to go ahead and start putting on all the aluminum parts in preparation for those send cut send parts to get here. That's the fun part. It is. Uh, bolting everything together. I have the most fun at that stage when everything's just ready to get bolted together. It's a very satisfying It's very, very rewarding, too, because you've worked yeah. so hard on all these individual components uh, to get to this point, and then it's like, it's it's where all of the bullshit that you go through becomes worth it. Yeah. All, you, all you've of the... done dry fitting and... Yeah. All that nonsense. And, uh, you know, I, I even found a heat sink that's close to a movie accurate heat sink, but a little bit different enough that I think it fits more in with the IDW comic. Um, so it's it's got the right dimensions, but not as much detail. So, that's cr- so it doesn't have the wavy fins. And I, I like that. Yeah. I like those little there. deviations from, you know, screen accuracy, because you're not going for screen mm-hmm. accuracy. You're, you're, doing your own interpretation of a two-dimensional drawing. Um, exactly. And, like, I know, aren't you using the uh, nickel-plated banjo tips on it? I am. Yeah. Yep. I have those on Little there. things like that, um, I just think, are they're neat little touches. Yeah, instead of doing brass, uh, the, the pack has nickel-plated accents. Very cool. Even, um, even so like, the even... hex pieces and stuff? Uh, the the hex pieces, yeah, they're 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 all nickel plated. Awesome. Yep. So I was I was really excited about that. I was even able to find elbows that are uh, the same size. You know, the the right four millimeter elbows, but they're smaller, um, and they have bra- uh, they have nickel plated nuts on them instead of brass nuts on nice. them, which I was really excited. Are about. They um, elbows, are they Legree elbows? Are they SMC or what? They're they're off brand something that kind of looks the okay. part. Um, I, I I'm pretty sure as a Chinese manufacturer, I got them in. But I was even able to find nickel plated hose barbs for the for the thrower. Awesome, I love that. Which I was yeah, I was I was pretty excited about that. Um, you can't see it, but like I'm grinning ear to ear just thinking about the fact that oh they're gonna be they're gonna be nickel. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also excited just from the more simplistic, uh, standpoint of putting together the IDW pack, um, especially after assembling my movie, my superhero thrower, I gotta admit, um, wiring together the front of a hero thrower is exhausting. I can imagine. I've never had to do it, but I'm, I'm dreading it when I get to that point on this BB pack I'm working on. Yeah, uh, just running all the wires through the gun ears and making sure everything fits. Um, I I ran into some happy accidents with it, um, namely on how the forward grip is sitting. Mm -hmm. Um, The, you know, the OCD part of me wants that forward grip to be completely flush with the front handle. Um, But there is a little bit of an offset to it. And... I was so happy that when I put my grip on there, that offset is present um, because it's it's just the wires running underneath it. Yeah, I mean, and uh, so. even I, I've run some electronics and some some resin and, and uh, vacuum form gun parts before. And even the 
if even if you kind of create a little channel for the wire to sit in, usually you, it still ends up sticking up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And that's and that's exactly what happens. There's a channel in there, and there's some heavy channels in there too because I didn't just let the wires run naked under mm-hmm. there. They're they're uh, they're heat shrunk in there to keep them you know policed together. Yeah. You just you can't see it. Um, so I'm I'm happy with how that thrower came together. I'll be happy once it's completely done. I'll be even happier when my shipment of uh, Ghostbuster fans ships hopefully in early May. Um, poor AJ, bless his heart, <laughs> most patient and man in the world. Because I'm I'm even about to message him again and have him add some more items to my order. <laughs> Um, I know it's great for him yeah. because, you know, it's, it's more money for him, but bless his heart, you know, two o'clock in the morning, me having, oh, I actually need this from Ghostbuster fans. Oh wait, I still got time. It hasn't shipped yet. Can I add these? <laughs> I wish McMaster card uh, did that, which they, well, they ship so fast. Yeah. I mean, I ordered my McMaster car stuff yesterday. Oh, lucky. Mine took three days to get here. But I, um, I ordered a, I ordered well, like a you. I had like another hundred plus dollar order of just, you know, it's bolts. it's like screws and wire and just hinges and things for the afterlife pedal I'm working on. And mm-hmm. I realized that I meant to order the bellow material, and I forgot when I placed the order. And I was like, oh shit! And so I went and checked to see if I could add it to the order, and I couldn't. Which I'm sure maybe if I called them or whatever. But this is like two o'clock in the morning (laughs) and uh so i was like ah it's probably not that much to ship a little section of bellow material it was like 15 dollars, and so it was cheaper for me to go on ebay and find another seller that had one with free shipping than it was to just order a separate piece from my master car and then as it turns out that bellows that i ordered i ordered two inch because that's what's on you know the original pedals and Mm. It's too big for the afterlife pedal. The afterlife pedal uses smaller stuff, and I'm kicking myself for not really realizing that earlier. So I ended up having to order smaller stuff from McMaster Car anyway, and still paying the fifteen dollars shipping. Oh, so it cost me more money, but whatever. Disaster. That's that's part of the game, right? It is. It is. It's part of the game. It's very frustrating, but it's the game we play. Um, and now, of course. I want to add some more stuff for a ghost trap because I really do need to get back to my yellow rod stunt trap. They're so fun. They are. Like I'm having a blast working on this thing. Well, I, I have uh, um, so much of mine just kind of sitting there, mm-hmm. which is I ended up getting a reject casting of the carriage from throwing chicken from his uh, his hero casting. Oh, nice. So I have the carriage. I have the whole carriage. All I need to do is build a box to put it in and really start finishing it and adding the metal parts and stuff. And I just, uh, there's so many fucking ghost traps and (laughs) I get distracted by shiny things. I mean, but you know, hey, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I've been working on this afterlife pedal and I was like, you know, I need to make a GB1 pedal. And so I ordered a bunch of parts for a GB1 pedal the other night. <laughs> That's also what I'm waiting on from <laughs> AJ, his pedal parts for Ghostbusters 1 and 2. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, all right, I have no self-control, but oh well. well, and I'm, oh, well. I'm, so that's what's on our... Yeah. Yeah. Go on. 
I was just going to say that's uh that's probably going to be in me like I've ordered the parts for the Afterlife pedal. I've worked on it. Now I'm like, "No, I'm going to do this GB1 pedal." So I ordered the parts for that, and I'm sitting there thinking, "Well, I mean, if I'm doing these two, I might as well do a GB2 pedal." So now I'm thinking like, "Well, I need to go order some more smaller ribbon cable and all this other crap." It never ends, dude. There's always more. Yeah. There's always something that you're always in the middle of one project before you decide to jump into another one. You haven't even finished the last 12 you're working on. <laughs> so here's a question for you on uh, your your Ghostbusters yellow rod stunt trap. Mm-hmm. What size are you going for those side rods? Oh, hell, I don't even know. Um, maybe... Are you talking about the, the diameter of them or the length? The length. I, to be honest with you, I have no idea. Um, they Again, they were made like 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago. Sure. Um, but when I when I set them up against the side plate and everything, like the spacing and everything seemed to line up pretty well. At mm-hmm. least for the trap. Like, I don't know exactly how accurate the dimensions of this trap are because I've, it's a reworked, basically GB2 trap. Uh, from Sean well, Bishop's that, plans. So that's where I come to my debacle. Do I order Ghostbuster one hero style rods at three and one fourth inches long, or Ghostbusters two stunt style rods that are just three inches? Um, I don't know. Do we do we know if the stunt rods are actually smaller or longer? I don't think we have enough reference yeah i mean we have one shot of the side of the red rod trap i mean i guess no there's a really there's a decent kind of like top view of it when it's sitting in Ackroyd's lap on the uh the stairs photo shoot you might be able to extrapolate some some measurements from that based on the the side knobs and things like that but yeah i mean i would say Mm. that's an interesting topic because you know without definitive dimensions of that trap sometimes you kind of have to just fudge the details and scale things to your build so and just hope that it comes out what about our friends over at the reference library yeah take a look at that and see so while we're talking about this this actually segues very well into you learned it so i'm going to play that audio this reminded me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head you remember that that would have worked if you hadn't stopped no. me again i'm going to take back some of the things i said about you you you've earned it so austin last episode you had two two props that that stood out to you mm-hmm. um i have one this this week and uh and you don't have one that's okay. No, because we're recording these two episodes pretty, pretty close, pretty close together. together, and uh, pretty close together to the point where I haven't even edited the one that we're <laughs> referencing. Yeah. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna edit it. I'm gonna edit both of them actually, yeah. um, right after this, so we can get those scheduled for release, which I'm sure people will be excited about. But we are not releasing this episode till next Tuesday, um, so we're not gonna double up on the episodes. Yeah which I'm sure people will be upset about, but that's that's okay. So my star prop. It's it's your it's your ghost trap, Austin. Really? Dude, 
listen, I've I've wanted to build a good yellow rod ghost trap for for a very very long time, and I've been sitting on the the core base materials, and I have you know other traps that have taken precedence or proton packs that I've been trying to finish up. You know, my Ghostbusters two stunt, um, my Ghostbusters one um, semi hero, which really just needs a handle almost at this point. Um, but I've known that I wanted to do the Ghostbusters one stunt yellow rod to go with my superhero pack, which is of course still not done, still waiting on parts, blah, 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 blah. So to get to see yours come to fruition and look so good, do I have nitpicks? I do. I do. And my one nitpick on your build is that you don't have the hollow handle. Yeah. I just don't like that. And do, okay, and and, and also, I'll be honest with you. But that's fine. I don't see the evidence where it's hollow in the first place. If really, yeah, I've never. I I've looked and I've looked at all the reference material. And I'm like, I don't. It doesn't look hollow to me. It looks solid, or at, at okay. least capped off. But also, even even if the evidence were clear as day, I still don't like the idea of having a hollow handle. I I like. I want it at least capped off. Um, so again, that that kind of leans into the idealized thing a little bit for this. Which, if it does have a hollow handle, uh, you know, yeah, that's going to be an inaccurate and inaccuracy on mine. But I'm <laughs> I can live with it, you know. Sure, and, and that's that's entirely fair. But I still think your yellow rotted trap is is gorgeous. And well, thank uh, you. I'm the the photos that you shared with me. Um, on your way to the studio today. I'm not sure if you've shared those with the community at large yet, but they're going to be really, really excited. By the time this episode gets out there, people will have been able to see I, it. I literally and posted them a few minutes ago while we are recording. Awesome. Awesome. Because it's gorgeous, dude. It's, it's a great-looking trap. It's clean. The natural weathering on those side rods, mm. uh, you, you can't get better than that. Yeah, I like I said, I couldn't bring myself to to paint over them. Uh, I don't blame. It you. was just it was too pretty, it, and I'm never going to be able to replicate that, you know, no matter how hard I try. So, I decided to yeah. just leave them the way they were. Well, I I think it's a fantastic job. Um, kudos to you. Thank you. You have definitely earned it. Thank you. Very very well done job on uh, on that trap there, bud. Um, Can I call you a liar because you told me it was ugly and I should send it to you to fix? Well, yeah, I told you that because <laughs> I just want you to give it to me. I know. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's an honor. You're welcome. And it's very much appreciated. Well, the the build is great. And uh, I know everybody else will agree or we'll ban them. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let's let's go into the meat and potatoes though. We're at the forty minute mark. Uh, we've done <laughs> lots of our our, our self filating pats on our back, talking about things we're excited about. Let's get into the main topic today, Austin. You ready to talk about proton pack shells? Always. I am too. Listen. You smell something? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. What? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Why? <laughs> It is the number one most asked question within the Ghostbusters prop community, which is, what shell should I start with? Where do I start? I want to build a proton pack. 
once again, guys, you're not just joining us because it's not a live radio broadcast, but still, this is the Black Firehouse podcast with Austin Young and Dan Harshman. Today, we're talking about proton pack shells, where to start. You can catch us, of course, on our RSS feed, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, like us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and join the discussion at Spengler's 1984 Workbench. Austin, how many times have you been asked that question? A lot. <laughs> a lot. What is your what's what is your go-to shell? My go-to shell uh, for a long time did not exist. Okay. Um, I've always wanted something with screen-used lineage. Mm-hmm. Um which as we know for the longest time was not really an option. And then mm-hmm. the HMS shell came out. And it's it's a little too off. The HMS shell, um, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm in a position to really discuss its lineage. Yeah. But I'm in a position to discuss it as far as accuracy. And even though it does have that screen-used lineage, I feel like it's been muddled with enough that it's no longer in a position to be considered an accurate shell. Yeah, I mean, it's been recast and reworked God knows how many times by how many people at this point that, you know, there's just too much. There's almost more wrong with it at this point than is right with it. Yeah, and, and and for our listeners who may not be familiar with it, the HMS shell, um, and and I know it was part of a a different project, uh, but from what I recall, it was a stunt shell casting like the the mold for a stunt mm-hmm. that was pulled out of the garbage, reworked, cast, then that casting was reworked to be more of a hero shell and then cast again and then recast and then recast and then recast and then, and recast, then rework and, and then recast it's it's yeah. crazy so there's there's been a yeah a lot of tinkering with that shell a lot of recasting it it's it's highest you know favorability why people wanted it was because it did have that direct lineage um but unfortunately you know the hms shell uh gave birth to a lot of horrible lemons out there yeah. such as bob's prop shop um you know we're 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 really careful not to name names of people that we may not like because we're just not gonna start that drama but fuck bob's prop shop (laughs) (laughs) like yeah the the dude is like a used car salesman and not you know in a lovable vankman way he's just slimy and everything he does is slimy um so when when Bob's prop shop would talk about screen use lineage, he's talking about his shell coming from at some point an HMS shell, but it's been so fucking far down the line that th- there's there's no evidence of it actually still having that lineage there. It's it's just this half tacoed piece of shit. So <laughs> You know, it, but, it's a it's a hundredth generation casting at this point. You know, like uh, yeah, it, and I mean, it, you it's have... basically the size of a spirit pack now. Like from all the, <laughs> and, the and shrinkage, it, and... except unlike a spirit pack, it cries. 
but luckily those shells those shells are no longer on the offering table anymore so um now though the most accurate shell out there um max factory mm-hmm. and in in two flavors too you've got their kind of idealized cleaned up uh legacy shell or um i think that's what they're calling it well they have two shells they have they have their proton pack shell which i believe has connections to the hms i i believe and and this is something that again nda so uh, there's there's speculation in here um but i think the hms shell has connections to the origins of the max factory shell but then on the sideline max factory has released a exact casting of the superhero shell which they are calling their legacy proton pack shell that's the legacy one yeah okay and um the the two different flavors offer two very very different build styles for people the you know both of course are able to uh say screen use lineage but the direct casting of the superhero shell that is that's the business man that thing is gorgeous i I mean down to just every last little bit of wonk and flaws in the i mean it's picking up all the details that you know scratches in the paint yeah i mean all that stuff that so many of us have tried to meticulously replicate you know on other yeah. shells it's it's just all there you know um and it's it's absolutely gorgeous and i'm really excited that you know after all these years there is an offering like that that is you know it doesn't come from shady origins <laughs> and and it's back alley dealing yeah i mean <laughs> which you know i guess you can get into that like a novos did produce uh of both a kit and a, a completed pack but they weren't they never really offered a, a legacy shell the, the only well there no their completed pack was that shell yeah um but you couldn't you couldn't so buy I'm, that shell on its own no, you had to buy that whole pack which was like what three and a half grand yeah, we we talked about that last episode, yeah. like thirty five to five thousand dollars. And honestly, if I had the scratch, I would have bought that just so I could have that hundred percent. And then Matt, <laughs> and then Matt comes along and says, "Well, we're we're just doing it piecemeal, mm-hmm. so you could just buy the superhero shell." I mean, talk about a dream come true for somebody like me. Oh yeah. Um, before the availability of that, though, I have been carrying and will continue to carry strong and hard the banner of the Pekris Boss shell. Oh, yes. Um, which right now I know he is reworking mm-hmm. his his master, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens see, You know, with that. That would have been my answer for go-to shell, but I was never able to get one. I always missed out on his runs because he'd only do a run like every couple of years and you'd only do like four at a time very limited runs yeah. yeah um but they're gorgeous i mean you know if you go back to his old build thread on gb fans the the amount of effort and work and precision in, that he put into that thing is just remarkable um i was able to take some great photos of my my boss shells and compare them to the max factory shell 
Now, obviously, dimensionally speaking, you can rescale photos to try and say that they fit or don't fit. Yeah. Um, but detail-wise, I am still very, very impressed with how close the Bosch shell is. Mm-hmm. It is, of course, missing a considerable amount of the wonk in the real shell. I, I'm still surprised to this day just how shitty a real proton pack <laughs> shell looks. Yeah. Like, I've always loved the wonk. And uh, I, I still do. And I love how gorgeous the, the legacy shell is. Um, there's a few detractions for, for legal reasons. You know, Max Factory is in an official partnership with uh with ghost core and sony yeah so there is a uh like a data plate on the part that shows that trademark information now uh, max factory has done a very very good job of putting it someplace that's inconspicuous yeah. um in this case it's on the the cosmo plate that ends up getting hidden underneath the ribbon cable um, but that's something that I would probably go in and fill. Well, and that's the other thing is that it, it is easily modified to take it that away. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I'm sure was intentional and uh, it's appreciated by people like you and I that it's not some crazy uh, alteration to the shell. It's a very simple fix. It is. And it's something that even if you decided not to fix it, it's not glaring. Yeah, I, I mean, you have to go up to the pack, and you'd have to peel the ribbon cable back and shine a flashlight back. in there. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so that that is a much appreciated thing. I think you know, if I were doing it, I would probably want that data plate on the inside of the pack. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I get it. Oh, it it's um, easier just to have it in the mold rather than have to exactly glue one in every time after the fact. Um, so my my ranking then is most accurate shell is right now the the Max Factory Legacy Proton Pack, um, and then closely followed with a tie between the Picris Boss shell and the standard Max Factory um, shell, and then uh, not too far behind that is going to be the ghostbusterfans.com shell. Yeah, that's a really really nice shell. Um I I don't feel like it gets the deserved love and attention anymore that it should. Yeah, and you know, I've never used one myself, but I know plenty of people that have built off of one and I've seen plenty of photos of builds that were done on them and I mean they look amazing when, you know, when it's all said and done and uh I have a a Big E three three zero shell, mm-hmm. um, which is essentially what would eventually become the GB fan shell, and it's a really lovely shell. Um, one of the details it includes that even the Pecris Boss shell doesn't have is it has the built in wedge underneath the power cell. Yeah, which which I'm a big fan of. Um, it's cast in black, so much like the 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 max factory shells if you don't want to paint it you don't necessarily have to it comes to you kind of ready to just have parts thrown on there yeah Uh, um the only downside to that for me is (laughs) if you if you want to obsessively go in and modify some tiny little thing you know you've ruined the gel coat you have to repaint it all anyway yeah 
Well, I, but, I'm you know, painting any of these things anyhow. So. Yeah, but you know, for your for your average person that doesn't give a shit about some stupid scratch that nobody else knows about, you right. know, uh, it's a great the 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 black gel coat is a great option, and it's it's crazy how far we've come as a community to the point where we basically have glorified model kits that are just like order all your parts and then screw everything mm-hmm. together and you're ready to go. You know, there's no very little filling or sanding or modifications that have to be made with a lot of these parts nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the quality of the castings of things have, has just evolved. Skyrocket. Yeah. And then we have, there's two shell offerings on the market for idealized proton packs, mm-hmm. which is Ben of Kent, and uh, now uh, David Rothram's packs over at, um, goodness. Proton Props. Proton Props, thank you. Yeah. I was talking to him yesterday, even talked to you before the show that I was talking to him <laughs> about Proton Props. So, interesting fact about the Proton Prop shell is that is actually a buyout of Carnivorous Creations stock and equipment. Interesting. I, did, I was not aware of that. And so David basically uh, acquiesced everything from Carnivorous, Carnivorous and um, gave it some touch-up and has been producing it. And he produces his shells. He's got uh, textured and untextured, um, resin gel coat, and they're gorgeous. They're just gorgeous. I mean... If if I'm going to build an idealized proton pack at this point, I'm probably going to get a proton prop shell. Yeah, and and I guess for listeners out there, Ben of Kent and proton props are both located in the UK, in England. Yeah, yep. Now, now here's the thing: because before Ben is Ben, Ben of Kent's amazing fan base comes and literally burns us down <laughs> we can't forget his shell is 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 also very nice the biggest detractor for me from the ben of kent shell is that he does a polyurethane casting and not a fiberglass casting yeah. which it is gorgeous that all the detail is there mm-hmm. you know his shells come out very very nice very idealized very crisp very clean i would still recommend glassing those shells yeah um, you know, picking up a $30 fiberglass kit from your auto parts store just to reinforce it because the the straight polyurethane casting, I just, I don't have a lot of confidence in. And I have seen some Ben of Kent shells um, crack or shatter yeah. uh, under, under pressure, duress, convention settings, things like that. Now that said... If I were just about to build a proton pack for the first time, had no idea what I was doing, I would 100% go for a Ben of Kent pack. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're extremely user-friendly. and Entirely. You know, and you get everything for a fair price. Yeah. And, you know, I think it, as far as detractors of the shell go, you know, one of the biggest ones for me, aside from the, the polyurethane casting, is the the hole in the attenuator or the EDA, whatever you want to call it, where mm-hmm. you just slide your booster tube in as opposed to cutting an angle on the tube itself and mounting it to the shell. 
but but then again, think about it. If you're building a proton pack for the first time, mm-hmm. that could be something that's very very intimidating for you. Yeah, and 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 that's what I, that's the point I'm getting at is that I you know as an experienced builder after almost twenty years of doing it, you know that stuff's not really something that I look for in a shell. But when you're right. when you're a novice, when you're a beginner, or you're you're just wanting to throw something together that you don't really care about, you know, all the ins and outs of screen accuracy or, or accuracy and the build method. Um, it's a great kit. I mean, and you know, same with the in filter, you know, it, it's got a cutout in the cyclotron where you just slide a tube in versus having to mm-hmm. cut that to fit, which is always a pain in the ass. And so I got, I got in a lot of trouble with the Benekent community a couple years ago because I released a chart um, on on my my personal Facebook page, Harsh Hobbies Incorporated, which was just scaling proton pack shells by accuracy. Yeah. Um. So I think here we're gonna do it two different ways, Austin. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do a scale by accuracy, and then a scale by user accessibility mm-hmm. from from these builders that we know. So we have. Chris Bosch, Max Factory, Ghostbuster Fans, Ben of Kent, and Ecto Labs. Proton Props. Proton Props. That's what I said. <laughs> you said Ecto Labs. That's what I said. No, I did. Yes, you did. Ecto Labs. They're what are Ecto Labs doing? Why do I keep wanting to talk about that? Uh, they just released. Uh, some highly accurate key fobs not too long ago. They do the. That's right. They did. They just did a. Uh, belt gizmo kit. Um, they do a P tube that's, that's detachable right. with a with a neat little thing that unscrews and all that jazz. Pretty cool, good stuff. Very cool stuff. That's right, proton props. Okay, so we're just looking Ghostbuster fans, proton props, Max Factory, Bosch, and Ben of Kent. Yes. So you're you're. Highest accuracy to lowest accuracy in order go. Obviously, Max Factory. Mm-hmm. Most accurate. Um, I would say probably P. Chris Bosch. GB Fans. Proton Props. Ben of Kent. I agree. And that's not a, From, that's not a knock on anybody's nope. quality. No, no, no. Or this anything. this is this is an accuracy standpoint. This is yeah. just saying what I am seeing in the film. I want to buy that. Now, as far as user accessibility, um, if I were just starting out in in building proton packs, I would I would literally go in almost the opposite direction. Uh, with a little bit of a change in which I would say Ben of Kent at the top of the list, mm-hmm. um, followed by Proton Props, followed by Ghostbuster fans, then by Max Factory, and then at the bottom of the list be P. Chris Bosch. Yeah, I would agree with that list. Uh, P. Chris Bosch is not a parts maker. He's a shell maker. So he does not have um, all the other parts. Mm-hmm. That he offers so you know he he just does these really amazing shells and then you got to go out and find everything else um the ben of kent 
top marks because you literally, it's, I mean, I bought my wife's 80% scale Benefkent pack um, kit for, I think, like 600 bucks. Yeah, I mean. It... And I, I got everything that I needed. The the motherboard already bracketed, uh, the the shell already drilled out. And and the crazy thing to me is, yeah, I mean, like the price that he charges, I still don't know how he gets away with it. You know, I mean, it it's very accessible and very affordable, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things versus if you'd be trying to part everything out, like you said. And another really great advantage to his stuff is all his parts fit his shell because they're all made to fit his shell. Mm-hmm. You know, with a, which is very nice. Uh, you know, and I'm sure the Max Factory stuff. You know, their parts are being made precisely to fit their shell as well. But like some of the other makers, you know, GB fans, um, Proton Props. You know, if you're if you're buying other parts from other makers and kind of, you know, cobbling it together from a bunch of different sources, not everything's going to fit. Well, that's the nice thing. Proton Props does make their own parts as well. I, I'm speaking strictly if you if right. you just bought a shell though, you know. Oh, if you just bought a shell, yeah, you you can have some some wonk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I say, uh, you know the the accessibility behind the proton props and Ghostbuster fans almost comes in to a close one to one. Yeah. Um, but the big difference there is: Are you looking for something that's more screen accurate, or something that's more idealized? Because both Proton Props and Ghostbuster fans have everything that you need right on their website, as far as everything else, cast and resin. Yeah, you know, injectors, beamline filler tubes, HGAs, whatnot. Um, and Proton Props is doing a great job of offering also like commission builds and things like that, which Ghostbuster fans does not. Mm-hmm. Um, but Proton Props has a little bit more custom ability. You know, do you want it textured or not textured? Um, Ghostbuster fans, then there's the easy, you don't have to buy an in-filter. Yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> and you don't have to attach an in-filter. And I got to be honest, in-filters are a, a unnecessarily large pain in the ass. You know... I've never messed with a metal in filter before until this Phoebe pack I'm working on. And I was, I was dreading it. I was so dreading having to sit down and do the math and figure out a template and all this stuff. Right. And I, I sat down and I did it and I, I basically just walked over with this tube to my chop saw (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I cut the bulk of the area that needed to be removed off with the chop saw very i mean it was really stupid i just walked up to it and i had a glove on and i just i i left the blade going and i just stuck it up there with my hands <laughs> but, but i still got all my fingers it's fine and then i went at it with an angle grinder right to 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 take down most of it and i was really surprised that it really only took me about 45 minutes from start to finish to get it pretty close to a perfect fit um, I did take a little too much material off the sides, and so when I go and have the half moon welded into the inside, I'm going to have him add a little material back on the sides and sand it back down. <laughs> but yeah, it is such an intimidating part, and the you know so 
the fact that I was able to do that with a metal one and it was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I feel like now it's never going to be that hard ever again. I'm never going to think it's super difficult. Well, no, but if you don't have all that stuff available to you, yeah. you can go with the Proton Props one and literally just drop it in to the vacant space. Yeah. Or GB fans, it's, you know, already in the mold, mm-hmm. which is nice. And uh, and then Bennett Kent, I believe, also is a, is a drop-in feature. Yeah. Um, and I have, uh, I, I've been starting to muddle over this idea of, um, some custom pack ideas and we're, we're going to talk about custom packs in session 18. So that is something that we have on our burner. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I found these really cool camping flashlights at, uh, Harbor Freight for like four bucks. And they're roughly the size of an infilter. Are they the ones that Except like you, you pull them apart? Pull out. Oh my god! Yeah. I've got like six of those around the house. Yeah, and I thought the I've same got four. thing. <laughs> exactly. I was just like, man, I should really get one of these proton prop shells so I can drop one in. But also, if you want to talk about accuracy, if I were to build a afterlife proton pack, which I plan on doing one day, I want a proton prop shell. Okay, I can see that. There's there's not really wonk in the afterlife props. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of that kind of got deleted yeah. when they they did their three D scans and cleaned everything up and then reproduced it. Um, and he's got that nice uh, truck bed liner texture on it. Mm-hmm. I I think proton props would be top of my list for an afterlife pack shell. Yeah, I would I would agree. I'm. You know, I I personally haven't looked too closely at any of their like raw castings of stuff, but I've seen mm-hmm. their finished builds. Um, and, I, and if you're saying that they they are basically old carnivorous shells or or molds or whatever, then I've you know mm-hmm. I've seen plenty of those raw. Um, and yeah, I would totally agree. The texturing on those is perfect for an afterlife, mm-hmm. and uh, the. You know, I guess the the biggest attractor would be the fact that the infilters drop in, but that's such a minute detail compared to the overall quality of what you're getting and and right. the overall accuracy in all the other places. But still, um, I don't think I would have thought that the community would be at a point. See, when when I first built my first proton pack, it was uh, a XOR ray mark v71 that's what was available yeah and i think maybe 12 months down down the line then there was a a zombie repellent brand shell Mm -hmm. that was available um that was back in 2009 and now we're talking about one two three four five different sellers all with remarkable quality shells that are all readily available yeah it's it i mean it's crazy like how again how far we've come and just even just the last five years you know in terms of availability of parts and and resources Mm -hmm. and everything it's it's i mean you literally can go to ben of kent and order everything you need and in two months 
you know, you have yourself a full, fully built proton pack if if you stick. Oh, with and it. his shipping is stupid fast. Yeah. I uh, I almost stupid fast. I almost went with one of his shells uh, when I did my Phoebe pack, and the only reason I didn't is because he was located in the UK, and I thought, well, it's going to take me forever to get one, and I had a deadline. I wanted to have it done basically by the original release date for what would have the initial first release date for mm-hmm. Afterlife, and. Uh, I was like, oh, there's no way I'm going to get it. And I started seeing all these posts of people like, oh, I got it in two weeks. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. I never like anything I've ever gotten from the UK in a large box has taken like a month at minimum. Yeah, no, Ben, Ben, his shipping speed is absurd. And the um, I think Proton Props does it the same way is they ship and show their availability as things happen. Um, Whereas Ghostbuster fans, some of their stuff can be special order. Yeah. So there can be back dates on that. I know some of their aluminum parts, um, it it can be six months Mm -hmm. for waiting for things. Um, And then Max Factory is not selling unless they have it on hand. Um, So there's been some delays there. Then, of course, Peekers Bosch, like you said, small batch. Uh, So... (laughs) <laughs> being in the right place at the right time to get it can be a little frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to hand it to, to Proton Props and Ben of Kemp for kind of leading the way of saying, hey, if I absolutely 100% needed to order everything for a Proton Pack and have it on my doorstep within a month, both those vendors could do it. Yeah, for sure. Which is which I love. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> And, uh, and there's even parts from Ben of Kent that I've ordered um, for my superhero. He does a a bracket for the inside of the cyclotron. Oh yeah, the little yeah, the bracket. <laughs> the yeah, what, you know, the whatever the big shape. shelf. Yeah, the big shelf yeah. thing that goes on so you can mount a speaker in there and and some lights. Um, and, and it's fair priced and I don't, I don't have everything I need to bend metal. So it's, it's easy to go and, you know, throw down 20 or 30 bucks and, and get that shelf made from him, which is nice. Yeah. Um, both vendors offer, uh, aluminum motherboards. In fact, all of the vendors offer aluminum motherboards that are cut specifically for their shell. Yeah. Which I think is great because you don't have to mix and match and hope that, your motherboard matches up. Yeah. Uh, which used to be the case. You know, you would get a a motherboard from somebody else. Multimedia and try and Mayhem. fit it to your X-Ray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's what happened to me is I got a motherboard from Multimedia Mayhem to fit my X-Ray uh, V71 shell. And I'm out there with, with a, you know, a saw trying to cut it down to make it fit because they don't they don't want to fit at all <laughs> yeah it, it you know and i always see people be intimidated by making a motherboard I, I guess i'm going off on a tangent i apologize but they're really not that hard to make yourself if you really had to yeah i mean it seems intimidating but literally you just set if you know you you throw down the money for a piece of aluminum that's big enough and you 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 throw your shell down and trace around it and then you go at it with a metal cutting jigsaw, and I mean, you can have it roughed out in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you got to hand sand it, hand file it, but like, 
again, if you absolutely had to, it's not that difficult. Don't be afraid to try something. If you screw it up, you wasted a lot of money on aluminum that's very expensive. But you know what? You tried. <laughs> you tried. <laughs> yep. Uh, something else I wanted to bring up really quick about Proton Props is, correct me if I'm wrong, they are a UK supplier of Fincher Technologies GB1 cables, correct? They are, yeah. And we're going to be talking about uh, Greebly's next episode. Yeah. Um. So session 14, we're going to talk about Proton Pack Greebly's, but... um. They are. They are the the UK supplier of uh, Fincher Technologies ribbon cables when they're available. Mm -hmm. I know Chuck is still getting back up on his feet after the tragic house fire um, and restarting a new career. So he's still he's still finding his pace, but they're they're trickling back out onto the market, which I am very, very happy to see. Yeah, because there there are no better ribbon cables out there. Yeah, they are absolutely top notch. And we'll talk about them again next episode. Um, so yeah, if if I were uh, if I were just starting off, no experience. If 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 this was back in two thousand nine, I would probably go with a Benekent pack. Yeah, agreed. I um, mean, again, the just because it has everything you need right then and there, beyond the shell, mm-hmm. everything is right there. Even the Greeblies, your motherboard, your Greeblies. I think you you have to buy an Alice frame. <laughs> Yeah, uh, which is not difficult to acquire. No, um, you know, and I, obviously, does he does he have a kit that includes electronics, or are all of his kits sans electronics? I, I think all of Ben of Kent's uh, products are sans electronics, okay. but a lot of people, I think Ninja Tunes, mm-hmm. um, specifically made their electronics kits for Ben of Kent packs. I could be very wrong on that. Okay. Um, but I feel like they made theirs to fit the Benekent pack. Um, okay. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. So not bad for only having to buy basically electronics and, and an Alice frame. I think after paint electronics and all full assembly on a Benekent, you're probably looking at a full proton pack for under a thousand dollars. Oh yeah, for sure. Which is crazy <laughs> it is um i'd probably say you're looking at maybe even under 800 depending on how resourceful you are mm-hmm. yeah and you know the uh hardware and stuff is included with those also right all the screws and some some of the screws some of the benekent screws you're still going to need to go out and buy um my wife's pack included the bolts for attaching the shell to the motherboard okay um and then um included parts i think for the ribbon cable clamps um some of the major parts but some of the smaller parts i think uh you'll need like uh the the smaller bolts for attaching um the resistors onto the ion arm gotcha and it does not come with the hardware to attach the parts to the mother or to the shell. Um, so you'll need bolts to attach things like the ion arm on there and the, the booster tube on there and things like that. Gotcha. Um, but again, uh, for some people, if they're brave, they can always use um, chemical bonding agents instead glue. I'm not about that life. I nope. like my stuff to me mechanically bonded. Yeah. Especially um, an ion even, arm. 
Yeah, especially in high on arm because only dirt bags grab high on arms. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, not to delve too much into a, a different style, but you know, I had that real Ghostbusters proton pack from Shapeforge, and uh, it's all three D printed. Mm-hmm. And I am doing both a two part marine epoxy between parts, uh, but included in his print are holes for for bolts and and nuts as well. So I'm doing both. <laughs> I suppose that's something we could also talk about is uh, 3D printing a shell. Yeah, I, yeah, we got plenty of time. We're only at the hour sixteen mark. Um, so 3D printing a shell is a interesting and much more viable option. Um, from what I understand, Martin Sill offers his proton pack for sale, and it's all 3D printed. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you have the Q files. Which are... Quentin did a proton pack, and it includes Wonk mm-hmm. in his 3D prints, which I thought was awesome. Now, with the 3D print, you're not going to get quite the wonk that say you and i would be looking for yeah you know you're not going to get the textural wonk but it's something that you can definitely add in on it um sure but both are really really good options as far as doing that and i believe shapeforge and the q files are available if you want to print the pack on your own um which the now just starting off Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd go with a 3D print. A lot of my friends have, and I think that's great, and that yeah. they've been able to successfully uh, start their first proton pack via 3D printing. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of elbow grease. Well, and it I guess it all depends on what you're looking for, too. Similar to, are you looking for screen accuracy? Are you looking for idealized? A lot of people... I, you know, I'm not personally a fan of this, but a lot of people are okay with just leaving the print as it is without doing any cleanup of the print lines or anything like that. And if that's, I'm not okay with that. I'm not, I mean, (laughs) if that's your thing, if that's, if you, if that's your proton pack and you're happy with it, great. More power to you, but I'm not sure people are actually okay with that. uh, I've seen a lot of people that are, (laughs) no, I've seen a lot of it in which it's there. I'm not sure people just are actually okay with it though. Oh no. I, I have seen people that are, Oh, they they actually they they print it I, they print it in black and they throw it all together and it's like yep yeah, it's my pack I'm good with it it's like okay okay that's all fine right. you know but for me it drives me nuts like uh, with my OCD of like it's got to my perfectionism you know it's like it's got to yeah. be smooth like I would take a smooth like glass smooth shell over a 3D printed texture you know yeah yeah I um. I can't get into the the 3D printed texture unless it's supposed to. Yeah. Um, totally off topic. Um, you know they have that new Halo series mm-hmm. that has come out on uh, on Paramount Plus, <laughs> and and a lot of their props you can actually see the 3D print lines in it. Oh, that hurts. And it drives me up the wall. <laughs> Absolutely bothers the ever-living shit out of me for a professional production with you know the kind of budget that they've got that that seems unacceptable to me i feel like they're doing it because they feel like that's 
oh, that's the aesthetic. You're supposed to have it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I but but I'm talking about the the Mark Cabellis of 3D printing where they're really going through and finishing things off. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work that goes into a 3D print and you can get results. 3D prints are cool in which you're going to get into you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. Um it's uh... you know it's not it's not going to be like a, a Max Factory shell. Not their legacy shell, where it's like, okay, all the wonk, all the screen used accuracy is boom, it's right there, it's in the shell. Yeah. Um, if you want that, you're gonna have to put it in there. You're gonna have to to do it all by hand. If you want it to be smooth, you're gonna have to to put the time into it to finish it off. If you want to get rid of those three D print lines, you're gonna have to put in the filler. You're gonna have to use the the resin filler or the uh, Bondo putty filler, whatever your poison is, mm-hmm. and and do it. Um, I mean, and I've seen some amazing results of the people that, you know, they did put the time in and, and um, you know, lay down the texture. And that is kind of, I guess, something that's nice about the 3D prints is that, you know, if you do put in the work to get it as smooth as you possibly can, a lot of those crimes get hidden by texture if you decide you want to put a texture down. Um, obviously mm-hmm. not everywhere because not everywhere has got the texture, but you know that's one little advantage, I guess, to laying down a texture is you know you're going to hide a lot of that stuff. Uh, yeah, filler primer is also your friend when it comes to 3D prints. Lots and lots of high build filler primer. I was uh, baffled by uh, the. Not baffled, surprised, I should say. Pleasantly surprised with the Benekent kit was the iron arm print. I didn't actually know it was 3D print when I first pulled it out. It was so damn smooth. Oh, really? I didn't know that they were 3D printed. Yeah, I didn't know until I drilled into it and was greeted by all the strenuous, you know, plastic bits and stuff inside of it. Um, But really, all of his parts that go onto it are all 3D printed. Um, I thought that they were all resin. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, maybe for the larger ones. Yeah. Maybe for his full-size kits. Again, it's an 80% build. Okay. Um, But I was was pleasantly surprised by the quality there. But if we could talk about his wand some other time, the wand was not as cleanly 3D printed as the pack parts were. And sometimes that happens. I mean, you know. Yeah, it does. A lot of it depends on the orientation in which it's printed and things like that. But, you know. Yep. Again, if if you've got a reasonable amount of skills, it's usually not that big of a deal. Exactly. Yeah, the 3D printed option, again, I know a lot of people like you that have gone that way for their first pack. And um, it, it presents its own set of challenges. It does. And uh, I would, for me, I would almost say, like, that's something you want to tackle after you've, you know, experienced putting together some different kits and things and, and, you know, learned some of those finishing skills. And, and, uh, you know, it it presents kind of an interesting challenge, I guess, to to challenge yourself to see how much further you can take it. And, um, you know, I guess an advantage to a lot of the 3D prints is that they... They're printed in pieces, so 
you can get into some of those tight areas that you wouldn't normally be able to sand on a, a single casting of a shell. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, that's an advantage, I guess, but you know, I've seen some amazing work with those 3d printed shells. Um, a lot of them have fooled me thinking they were some kind of fiberglass shell or something, you know? Absolutely. It's come a long, 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 long way. Oh, it's only, <laughs> uh, it's only going to get better. Three years. Yeah. yeah. Just in the past three years, 3d printing has grown by leaps and bounds and, even setting up the 3D printer, from what I understand, is in and of itself an, an art form, oh, you yeah. know. Calibrating it and dialing it in and, you know, finding that sweet spot for whatever filament you're using. And, yeah, it's a lot mm-hmm. of, I've had a buddy that bought a 3D printer probably, I guess, last year sometime. And he had a hell of a time getting it dialed in. But once he did, it was just smooth sailing from there. I guess, and then of course, oh, go ahead. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, their props were three D printed. Do we know if they did three D prints and then castings? Well, I mean, we can talk very briefly about the Afterlife pedal. Um, since okay. I'm researching it, I began to notice in the reference that the pedal, the top vector plate, the the topmost vector plate has a curve to it it kind of curves upwards and i realized hang on that's got to be resin maybe mm-hmm. possibly 3d printed and so then i looked at that one picture we have that's uh behind the scenes shot where it's partially assembled and i swear you can see air bubbles at the very base of the like the bottom of the plate uh mm. like at the at the ends of all those ribs or some of the ribs uh there's little air bubbles and so I'm going to assume it's either because yeah, I don't believe you get air bubbles with a resin print, um, but I don't believe so. They either uh, 3D printed, resin printed a vector plate and then probably molded it and cast it. Um, it might be resin. It could be like a dense rubber, maybe for mm-hmm. you know safety reasons or whatever. Um, but I, I'm, I know I've seen behind the scenes pictures of some like molds of like the PKE meter and things. So I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of parts were 3D printed initially, and then molded. Um, you know, for the traps and things like the RTV. You know, there's a lot of the great behind the scenes footage and some of the featurettes and stuff where you can see exactly what's 3D printed and what's resin printed, and what's metal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if something like that is easier to just print each one of those individually rather than molding and mm-hmm. casting it. Um, might be something to ask Ben Edie sometime if he's got any insight into it. Yeah, that would uh, that would definitely be interesting to know more of. So, really, I mean, that's that's kind of proton pack shells one hundred and one, though, Austin. You know, we're at we're at an hour and twenty seven minutes right now a little shorter for one of our standard episodes, but I, I think we've kind of reached everything there is to talk about them. There's always um, a studio creation shell, but uh, there is the studio creation shell. Yeah. And you know what? I feel like that's actually a, I think that needs to be talked about. Yeah. So yeah. what is the studio creation shell? It's vacuum formed. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I believe I could be wrong. I want to say they're doing them in one piece now. They are doing them in one piece. Okay. Cause they've evolved I, quite a bit over the years. They have, when they first started, they were two piece mm-hmm. white back plastic. I think now they're black. Yeah. One piece vacuum form. Um, and they are, as far as a shell goes, they would have been uh, before people like Ben of Kent or Proton Props came on scene. Would have been, I would have said yes, go with them. Yeah, as as your my first Proton pack, uh, just because they're like what one hundred and thirty, one hundred and fifty bucks for a shell. Probably, I I haven't priced one in years, but you know they used to be pretty cheap. Let let's let's uh, hold on. Studio Creations Proton Pack. We will look real fast and at their shop. Go one hundred and twenty-five dollars. Nice, yeah, one hundred and twenty-five dollars, one piece. Um, so they're still good. They, you know, what they are is still really, really cool. Um, it has space for a drop-in in filter mm-hmm. um and it has I, I think the biggest detractor for the studio creation shell for me is the extra work that it's going to need a to stabilize it yeah which is they come in as abs plastic which is great but you and i both know that once you vacuum form you're losing that integrity of the plastic yeah and, and, that and as abs is a little bit stronger than uh, styrene which is what those old shells you know, we used yes. to do were made of, but you know, you're still going to get thin spots. You're going to get uh, webbing that has webbing. to be cut out and reinforced. So I would recommend, even with an ABS shell, to fiberglass it. Yeah. Um, which is going to add that weight on there. Um, and then the cosmetic ribs are going to need some paint application in your finishing to take off a little bit of that roundness to them. Now their, their process has gotten a lot better yeah. in recent years. Um, they are not as soft detailed as they used to be, but they still are um, compared well, to, to the other vendors that we've talked about. Yeah. And I mean, with vacuum forming, you're never going to have completely sharp, you know, details on something like that, no. like on the ribs. Um, I think I've talked about it before that, but like when we used to do those vacuum form shells, you know, we left all that stuff off intentionally so that you could go in and add styrene strips down later so that you yes. have that sharp detail because the whole point and the whole intention was, Oh, it's going to be lightweight. They're going to be easy. They're going to be cheap. Uh, and by the time you fiberglass it and do everything else you need to do to reinforce it, it's just as heavy as a, a regular fiberglass shell anyway. So yeah, it's kind of a the, kind the of a plastic weight is. Yeah, and then the the studio creation shell. It's also going to need um, cosmetic plates around the synchronous generator, mm-hmm. um, which is a little annoying, and it might need some trimming. And again, you had mentioned the webbing. Yeah. Um, and even on their most recent photos, there seems to be a decent amount of webbing in areas, especially under the, the EDA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big um, big spot for it because it's such a deep undercut. Mm-hmm. And between the power cell and the EDA, and then, of course, between 
the crank generator and the gun box. Um, it, it is a place to start. It's not something that would even, it's not something I'd recommend anymore. I mean, yeah, they, you know, they've kind of, you know, it's just, unless you're like on a budget and you're doing something quick for Halloween and you got, you know, a group of friends that all want to have relatively decent looking proton packs. But I mean, even then I would honestly, I'd recommend a spirit pack over a a vacuum form at this point, you know, like if you're just wanting something quick for Halloween and, you know, unless maybe you're on a really tight budget and it's the only thing you can get and you want to just more or less build kind of a, I, I hate using the term junk pack, but like, you know, random hoses and things you have laying around the house and you want, you just need a, you need right. a base for it. Um, it's pretty budget friendly and, uh, you know, it's got its purpose. It, uh, I'm sure they still sell. So, but it, yeah, this day and age, they've kind of been phased out as a viable option for anything. So here's what I would say we will go ahead and end with is talking about uh, the costs related to it. I think that would be the most important thing to, to really, really end on. And so looking at, I'm on the Ben of Kent website right now. And and he he offers so many different kits. It's a little overwhelming looking at his stuff. Yeah, that was the only other thing I would say that is kind of uh, a detractor. Is you know you go to his website or his Etsy page or eBay store, and it's just like you think you're looking at twelve of the same listing that are all different prices for some reason. But in actuality, it's like this kit has everything but the wire loom or this kit has everything but this, you know, and yeah. I, I, I appreciate the thoroughness and in, in the, in the variety of options, uh, but it is very overwhelming to try and find exactly what you're looking for. So I ended up actually just messaging him direct and was like, Hey, how much is this? <laughs> this is what I need. Yeah. Which I, I would agree is uh, here we go. Okay, this is going to be kind of the uh, the closest, I think. So, all right, that's that is the studio creations. Let me get proton props up. Protonprops.uk catalog. Proton props has a very nicely organized website. Um, I don't know if I've actually been he, to it. I can't remember. I'll have to check it out. It's it's nice. His uh his DIY proton pack kit is up there. He's got Alice Frame spacer kits and everything like that. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's it's a well organized website, which I like. No price difference between his smooth and textured finishes here. Get that going there. I'll go to Ghostbuster fans, go to their shop. And Ghostbuster fans, of course, by far, most friendliest of navigationable 
navigatable websites. Yeah. <laughs> it's all broken down into sections, convenient sections. Now, I will say Max Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Max Factory, um also a pretty website, little difficult to get into and get the hang of. Mm-hmm. But once you're in there, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is I don't think GB fans currently offers shells. I think they're on a hiatus with those. They are currently uh, out of stock. Yeah. Um, which I'm not sure why. Hopefully they come back. All right. So here we go. Um, Studio Creations is a hundred and twenty eight dollars or a hundred and sixty eight dollars for international okay um but it says free shipping obviously it's not free shipping they're putting the shipping into the calculations for their usa <laughs> or international yeah um <laughs> i'm like yeah it's <laughs> it's not a hundred and twenty eight dollars of vacuum forming because <laughs> they have been using the same buck for god knows how long mm-hmm. um but yeah, so we'll say $130 for the Studio Creation shell. Vacuum formed, black ABS plastic. Does it give um, a thickness of plastic on there? Um, It does not. Okay. Uh, it just says it's 100% ABS plastic. They're probably pulling out of like 080, maybe, which is roughly yeah. an eighth of an inch as they, in they sheet say, form. In their description, the shell is sturdy, similar to a large plastic salad mixing bowl. Okay. I mean, come on, man. You know Americans. We would we will measure everything and everything except for actual measurements. Yes. <laughs> so, banana is for scale. Um, <laughs> uh, for Ben of Kent, $295.02. For his Ghostbusters Proton Pack shell with end filter. Nice. Um, free shipping to the United States as well. So under $300, probably looking at just over $300 after import fees or taxes, VAT, anything like that. Yeah. Um, that's a great deal. Uh, again, both those, both the, the Ben of Kent and the definitely the studio creations I would recommend doing a uh, fiberglass job on the back of it. Mm-hmm. And definitely, for the love of God, scratch up, scuff up the surface on the inside with sandpaper or something before you try to fiberglass. Otherwise, it's just going to pop out. <laughs> pro, pro tip. I've, I learned that the hard way years ago. All right. And then the nuclear accelerator proton pack shell and motherboard from proton props uk they have that as 330 great british pounds and that is approximately 415 dollars okay so not bad no, not at all. $415 is about what I would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, Ghostbuster fans, once back in stock, you're looking at the time that it was listed. Materials may have gone up, and that price point has maybe not been adjusted yet. 
but you're looking at three hundred and twenty-four dollars and ninety-nine cents or three twenty-five. Yeah, for the Ghostbusters shell. Um, and then Max Factory, you have two options, which is their Proton Pack body kit, which is um, three hundred and ninety-five ninety-nine. And then their legacy kit, which is $449.98. Now, there is a big price difference between those. I will say that their legacy Proton Pack body kit is advertised as coming with the end filter. Mm-hmm. Whereas their standard Proton Pack body kit does not. But additionally, their shells come with the labels for their shells. Oh, do they? I didn't know that. Yes, yes, which That's... is something that nobody else offers. So when you get a Max Factory shell, you're going to be getting uh, the the top decal for the the circuit diagram. You're going to get the um, vac label and, of course, the gearbox label included with that. That's nice. I didn't realize that. That's cool. Yeah, it's a nice touch. And um, those are the, the price points. And then, of course... The, the Pecris Bosch shell, which I believe is uh, $350 to $400. Yeah. When you can get um, it, if you can get it. If you can get it. It is hard to get, and I believe 350 is what I paid for mine. So that's them. Those are, those are all the shells, their costs. We've talked a lot about their benefits, downsides, upsides. I feel this was a fun episode, though. It was. I enjoyed this. This was. It was cool to break stuff down and and get into the nitty gritty of all of it. It is, yeah. Now, guys, this is going to be a part of a uh, kind of a semi series. So next episode, we're going to be talking about Greeblies. Um, session fifteen, we're looking at wands, um, and session sixteen finishes which you and I are big, big fans of. Session 17 is Do's and Don'ts. Session 18, Custom Proton Packs. Session 19, guys, Session 19, we're talking about spirit props. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to get into it. That will be. We're going to get into spirit props. And then Session 20, I'm excited about. That's going to be a lot of research for you and I, which is we'll be talking about Ghostbusters sets. Yes. So we have we have everything planned up to session twenty, um, but this was session thirteen, and I'm excited to keep moving forward. I'm excited that Sony is going to keep feeding us more Ghostbusters prop news as we uh, start to gear up for pre-production and see what comes of Ghostbusters four. Mm-hmm. Again, super excited uh, that we've identified. Well, not we. We haven't. We didn't do shit. Identified the blue label <laughs> on the. On the uh the bumper. The bumper, thank you. I'm yeah. tired. It's been a long day. But yeah, so Austin, any final thoughts before we, we leave our listeners? No, not this time. Not that I can think of. I'll think well, of it perfect. later, like one AM. One AM, you'll pop on, do a live video. Yeah. My hey. final thought for next week's episode. Um, (laughs) well, excellent guys. Remember, you can always join the conversation with us on Spengler's 1984 workbench. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Black Firehouse podcast. You can also listen to us almost every Tuesday on our RSS feed, (laughs) Spotify, um, what's the other one? Apple podcasts now. 
and of course then on Fridays on YouTube. So for the Black Firehouse podcast, this is Dan Harshman and Austin Young with a final thought. Oh, not, not really a final thought, but uh, just a, a an apology uh, regarding the YouTube uploads. I have been trying to get them up. We're like three episodes behind on there now. Every time I try and render the video on my laptop, it gets to about 4% left, and then my laptop freezes. Go out and build something! As a duly designated representative of the city, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Spray has gone bye-bye, you guys. What have you got left? For whatever reason, Spray, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? to go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to believe you.